Welcome in. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com. I'm Chad Brendel, joined, as always, during football season by my partner, Dave Simone. Dave, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I think I'm doing better than you, so it's at least one person I'm doing better than right now. Yes, it has been a rough week. I I missed my first um, open opportunity to be at UC in probably almost a year yesterday as I uh, have been down and out with a nasty sinus infection, but fortunately it is starting to get a little bit better, so we, we can see some light at the end of the tunnel. Um, do you have your uh, your garbage can out, Dave? Don't even start. Hold the can. Is that is that what it – hold the can? Is that – Yeah, hold the can so I can puke in it. <laughs> I mean, the guy can't miss the dunk, though, Dave. He missed the dunk. Well, I mean, they they obviously didn't do enough dunking practice, like chest bumping practice and whatever other practices they do these days. Their will to win was impressive, as he said, forty three hundred times in the post game media conference. Yeah, it's it's good to see him start his last season in Knoxville off with a win. Uh, <laughs> I ended up staying up for the whole stupid game. Oh, that's your problem. I, at, at the end, I was just like. I don't even care who wins, just end. <laughs> we are joined. It's Michigan week as the Bearcats head up to Ann Arbor on Saturday at noon to take on the Michigan Wolverines. We are joined with a special guest, Kevin Goheen. Kevin writes and covers uh, the Michigan football program for Land of Ten. As many of you will remember, Kevin had a brief stay on the staff at Bearcat Journal last uh, training camp before leaving for Michigan to cover Michigan State, and now has moved over to the beat at the University of Michigan, and always a pleasure to have him on. Kevin Goheen. Go-Go, how you doing, buddy? Chad, you know what I'm really happy about? What's that? I, 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 I'm just glad that there's so much love for Lyle still, uh, you know, there. Well, Dave, Lyle gets nothing but love. Dave is a Tennessee <laughs> alum. So he, oh, I see. He's a diehard oh, He's got double fan. love. Yeah. So he's had the Lyle experience for going to eight. This is the eighth year now, Dave. Yeah, he's like the herpes without the sex. Champions of life. Oh my I can't God. get rid. Of, I can't get rid of him. He's like herpes without the sex. That might be the uh, one of the greatest lines in the history of this podcast, Dave. That was fantastic. Well done. Well, thank you. So we've got the Bearcats traveling to Ann Arbor. Cincinnati did uh, did not look particularly great in their win over Apple or uh, uh, Austin P on Thursday night, but they got the job done. Michigan looked pretty damn good against a Florida team that once again looks like in a state with more talent than anywhere in the country, they can't seem to find a quarterback and run an an, an offense that is worth a damn. And Michigan with their speed up front. Uh, dominated that game from start to finish, and if not for uh, Wilson Spate throwing two pick sixes, that thing would have been a route uh, from the very early goings. So this yeah, is, no, I, I, absolutely. This is going to be a tall task for the Bearcats, Kevin. Um, yeah. What were your takeaways as you were watching that Michigan Florida game? Uh, you know, obviously, the, you know the big question with Michigan was 19 new starters. How were they going to look yeah. and and they looked pretty good to me. How'd they look to you? They looked they looked really good, particularly defense. The, the one thing that stood out to me on defense was speed, speed, and more speed. 
Um, and one thing that they talked about that talked about this week is that what they were really impressed about defensively was how, how well they run to the ball. Um, there may have been some openings here and there when, um, particularly in, in the run game, but they got closed up very, very quickly. And, and you're right, there's an awful lot. They, they've got, you know, 10 new starters on defense. But a lot of these guys played a lot last year, particularly on their defensive line. And, you know, and the guys who are who maybe not played defensively last year did a lot on special teams. So they've gotten their feet wet. They know what they're, what they're doing. Um, and, and they've got that one heck of a defensive coordinator in, in Don Brown, uh, who for two years in a row has had the number one ranked defense in the, in the country. Last year it was with Michigan. The year before he did it with Boston College. Dave? Yeah, I was going to just kind of bring, start with that in and of itself is considering the number of new starters, did were there any things or a particular position group or or instance of anything that surprised, even surprised maybe you as an observer or in talking to the coaches that they thought, you know, played even better than they maybe had anticipated? Yeah, I, I think uh, the expectation was that the defensive line was going to be good. Um, they didn't really know what they had in the secondary because uh, I, I think that's where they lost four really, really high-quality guys in the NFL last year. Uh, if there's one group that really played better than I think most people thought, it was the offensive line. Um, they've got two starters coming back. Uh, their left tackle is Mason Cole. Uh, he, he actually played center for them last year, but he has started all now 39 games uh, he has appeared in. He's a senior. Uh, and he, he started as a left tackle his freshman and sophomore year. And then uh, Ben Bredesen is the left guard, and he's he started eight games last year as a freshman. Uh, this year, you know, they've replaced they've got a new center, uh, right guard, and a right tackle. And the right tackle, they've got a uh, kid from Lakota West, uh, Nolan Elysio. And everybody's like, who? Well, Nolan Elysio was a, uh, basically a two-star recruit uh, heading, in, heading into his senior year at Lakota West. And I talked to his uh, coach, Larry Cox, uh, last week. And Larry was telling me, yeah, he just he kind of got better and better and, and uh, really got on people's radars uh, more and more. And then that year, his senior year, Lakota West made a deep run. They, they went to the regional finals uh, that year. And more and more teams got to see, see him play. Um, for the longest time, his only scholarship offer was from UConn, of all teams. And then uh, it just so happened that D.J. Durkin, who's now the head coach at Maryland, but was the uh, defensive coordinator at, uh, at, at Michigan uh, when Jim Harbaugh uh, was first hired, kind of had a relationship there uh, with Lakota West, with Larry Cox, and, and, and knew uh, of Nolan, and they suggested, hey, let's look at this guy. They took another look, and they saw him as, you know, he's a, he's a big kid, he's like 6'5", 6'6", long arms, um, maybe a little bit more of a project coming out, but they saw him, and they liked what they saw, uh, and, and he earned – he earned the right tackle spot this week, and it was it was a bit of a surprise because no one was really talking about him when camp started. Would you say that you know, considering what they were able to do against Florida and uh, basically just holding them to three points, 
would you say that that was three offensive points, that that was, you know, exceeding expectations even with the guys coming back and, and the way that the offense played, or did they did they kind of expect to go into the game like that knowing what they were going up against with a first-time starting quarterback and an offense that, as Chad said, still can't seem to figure out how to move into the 21st century? Yeah. I think even even for them, the three points allowed defensively, as mentioned, um, I think that was exceeding expectations. Because um, Florida, you know, you remember, they, they went into this game and they had 10, 10 players suspended. Um, really two of them who were going to absolutely going to contribute heavily, but happened to be their um, their top running back and their top uh, wide receiver who were, who were out for, these game, for the game. Um, and it just seemed to be as the game got rolling, and, and, and more and more, Michigan got uh, just had a lot of confidence, and you know, never allowed Florida to get on track any anyway. Um, Felipe Frank, the redshirt freshman quarterback for Florida, and he was never ever comfortable in, uh, in the pocket. For UC to have success offensively, from my standpoint. Um, I think they're going to need to throw the ball and maybe throw it a lot and challenge downfield because as we've alluded to a little bit, you know, just as an observer of one game and knowing who they're replacing, attacking that secondary is probably where that if they're going to have success offensively, it's going to come in that way. Um, how did those guys hold up? I know pretty much the entire unit is new. And, you know, I don't know, were there any injuries from the defense as a whole? And then just how do you think the secondary played, even given the lack of offense that Florida had on last Saturday? Uh, the secondary actually played pretty pretty well. They gave up, there was a couple big plays. One was the um, second play of the game. They gave up a 34-yard uh, reception, and that was by LaFert Hill. He's a sophomore uh, corner. His uh, older brother, uh Delano Hill is actually is one of the guys uh, was a starting safety last year, and he's now at the Seahawks. So Burke got beat, beat on that on that first play, but he barely got beat any more the rest of the game. He really played a really strong game, came up and run support, uh, made a lot of really strong tackles. Uh, yeah, I, I, I would agree. You can attack the uh, the over over the top. Um, you're going to have to. They're going to have to make some big plays because it's going to be awful tough for UC. I think to to sustain drives, you know, really long drives. You hit a couple big plays though, and, and you know that gives that gives you an opportunity. The problem there though, the the, the go-go is Cincinnati's got basically three walk-ons on the interior of their offensive line. Two of them have received scholarships, but you know those guys started as walk-ons. And being able to give Hayden Moore enough protection to go deep is going to take some stones to even call a play of that magnitude, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. They've got um, going in this year, the defensive line for Michigan was seen as, as the strength. You know, they lost, again, they lost all four starters from last year, all of whom are, are in, the, in the NFL, including the Bengals' uh, Ryan Glasgow. Uh, and but the, the guys they had coming coming back all played significant roles last year. Uh, Rashawn Gary, the sophomore, he was the number one overall uh, recruit in the country two years ago, back in the class of 2016. 
but Mo Hurst is a fifth-year senior, and he's a guy who's maybe very unheralded, uh, but he's a, you know, people around the game know how good he is. He is very destructive, and I think he's a guy who's going to have himself a nice career in the NFL uh, after this year. Offensively, I know in reading up on Michigan preseason, they have or had one receiver coming back that had, I think, more than five catches last year. How did that group as a whole look in the, in the Florida game? Um, it's a work in progress. They've got a, you know, they've got four freshmen, uh, two of whom uh, played the other day. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones is, was the top right, right uh, excuse me, top-rated uh, wide receiver coming out of uh, high school. He's from uh, Detroit, Cass Tech. But it wasn't him uh, who, who really made the, the biggest impact offensively. Uh, it was a kid by the name of uh, Therese Black, and uh, Therese uh, caught a uh, it caught two passes for was uh, 80, 83 yards. One was a 46-yard touchdown pass, and then he caught another one on a sideline pattern uh, for 37 yards. Big-bodied kid, six-two, really muscular, and I, I think he's a guy who they they really like. You know, they think he can he can win a lot of battles in the uh, one-on-one battles, particularly in the red zone. The um, the the one player you mentioned, Grant Perry, who had more than five catches last year. He was actually a question mark. He got himself into uh, off-season, um, uh, off-the-field trouble last year. He had an uh, arrest in uh, East Lansing, of all places. Uh, and he uh, he basically he, he went through the, the court process. It's, uh, that case has been resolved. He had been suspended a couple times from the team. He's now back in good graces. And he actually made a couple really nice catches over the middle uh, in, in tight coverage. So um, he showed a lot of toughness, not a lot of smarts uh, at, at times, because he uh, he got up after one catch, spun the ball, and picked up a 15-yard penalty uh, for unsportsmanlike conduct. But you know, I think he's a guy they're going to rely on uh, a little bit more than maybe we thought. For UC defensively, uh, obviously you have the inexperienced at wide receiver, you have the quarterback that's coming back for his second year starting, and you have a fairly new offensive line, but they did run the ball, I believe, over 40 times for over 200 yards. What would be, you know, in watching Michigan through the fall and then in the game against Florida, what would you think is the best plan to, you know, slow them down, stay in the game, give yourself a chance to be in the game in the second half and maybe into the fourth quarter? You've got to make Wilton State, the quarterback, beat you. Um, Wilton's a good quarterback. He needs to get better, though, with his accuracy. He was high on a few throws last week. Um, his overall numbers, I believe he was 11 for 25, uh, 11 for 23, somewhere in that, in that range. Um, he's got a lot of toughness. He's got a lot of moxie. Came back, at, you know, uh, Chad talked about the two pick sixes. Uh, the first one really wasn't his, pro- uh, his fault, went off a of receiver's hands. Uh, but the second one was absolutely his fault, just a horrible throw. But he came back in the second half and made some terrific throws. Um, he had one, he had a 28-yarder to the previously mentioned Grant Perry that was down the scene in, in coverage. It was a tight throw, and he made it. He has to be more accurate. But if, if I'm Cincinnati, if I'm, if I'm any defense, I'm, I'm making Wilton State beat me because 
Otherwise, they've got a stable running back. They've got three guys who they really count on. They're very deep at running back, and those guys can all hurt you. And if they get they get their running game going, it'll set up everything else for for receiving for a uh, passing game that really is still kind of is developing chemistry. Do we need to talk about maybe the best special teams performance in the history of college football for any player? I mean, that kicker is well. You know what? Well, absolutely. And remember, that's the kicker. That that's why that's why uh, Jim Harbaugh uh, spent the night over at his place. That was a sleepover (laughs) kid. That was a sleepover kid. But um, you know what? I think maybe his leg got tired because after he, he uh, made a 55-yarder and then made a 50-yarder, uh, he missed his last uh, two kicks. Uh, well, I, I must have, I must have been partaking in the adult beverages by that point. I don't remember. You must have been. You must have been. No, he missed. He missed. He missed two, including one was. Uh, he, he missed the 32-yarder. He just kind of um, got a little off. So he's a he's a, he's a redshirt freshman. He's one. I mean, but. For your first game in college football and your, your first experience, uh, yeah, hitting two uh, 50-yarders, something that uh, no no player, no kicker from Michigan has ever done before in a game, that's all right. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a bad start. No. I mean, I mean it's just to think what lies ahead for a kid like that if he you know has the leg and the – confidence and, you know, it's one thing to be doing that at home against, you know, Norfolk State or something on the first right. game of the year, but to do it in, in that setting and at a, at a point when the game was still close and mm-hmm. it was definitely impressive. No, the, the 50, you're right. The 55-yarder was really an important one because they were down 17 to 10 at that point and um, – Ford actually had missed a field goal right before, um, and had, uh, so and Michigan had their backup quarterback in John O'Corn. Uh, Jim Harbaugh made the decision to bring uh, Wilton State out, let him kind of sit on the sideline and watch a little bit, and they did that for two series. Uh, the second series, you know, they they had John O'Corn in, who uh, I think Cattle will remember uh, started his career at, at Houston. In fact, he was the American uh, Rookie of the Year back in uh, 2013. So, uh, O'Corn uh, led them down, got got them set up for that field goal, and the kid drilled it. So, it's a big difference going into half down 17-13 as opposed to 17-10. I'm glad you brought O'Corn up. Is that Was that just something that happened randomly in that game, or is that something that is planned for the foreseeable future? Um, I, I think it kind of was planned. I think they wanted to get him in at some point, but the, the timing just kind of, you want to say, worked out well that way. Uh, it worked out. Um, it, I think it was it was a good point for State to come out and just kind of, you know, again, take a breath, look at what the defense was doing, and and go ahead and, and you know, assess that. And, and to State's credit, he didn't mope on the sideline. He didn't sit there and say, you know, man, I can't, I can't believe I got pulled. I'm having an awful game and everything. Teammates kept him, uh, kept him upbeat, and he actually he came in, came in, re- returned for the final series of the half, 
basically was a kind of run-out-the-clock series. But then they got the ball to start the second half and had a 10-play, uh, 75-yard uh, drive. I mentioned previously the 28-yard pass he, he had to Grant Perry. That came on that drive. Um, they converted a fourth and one on that drive. So they, they kind of built, you know, they set the tone for the rest of the game. Because when the offense didn't turn the ball over, Florida had absolutely no chance. It was Chad, do you have, any, have anything? Um, no, I think you guys did a pretty good job of covering. I, I, Kevin, I look at this thing, and I, and I want to think the Bearcats have, you know, have a, a puncher's chance. But from what I saw from Cincinnati on Thursday night, they just have a long way to go on offense. And if you have a long way to go on offense, that's not the type of defense you want to face. No, no, it really isn't, and I think there's going to be, you know, this, this crowd is, you know, it's a home opener for Michigan. Um, they're going to be revved up. Again, hit them early and, and see what happens. Um, and, and the fact is, they don't know a whole lot about this right now because of Luke Fickle. Now, they know a little bit about Luke Fickle just from his, uh, his, his time at Ohio State and what he did with the Buckeyes there. But, you know, there's always going to be new wrinkles. you got different players. And, uh, you know, so I think they're when – when it comes to that, they, they – Cincinnati's just an unknown for them right now. You got any good Jim Harbaugh stories yet? You know, I actually went up and talked – the first time I talked to him, uh, went up to John Carroll University up, at, uh, up in, in the Cleveland area. So he, uh, he's kind of one of the satellite camps there. You only have 10 this year, but, you know, what was him? Killed, I'm sure he killed his mileage. <laughs> so, but um, but I went up and talked to him and just kind of introduced myself because I'm new on the beat and he didn't know me. And we were talking, we were reminiscing about the, uh, the, the last time I, I covered one of his games. Well, the first time I covered one of his games, I was actually covering the Bengals for the uh, Enquirer at the time. And he was coaching the Niners. And they came in, and they ended up winning. It was a goofy 13 to 11 win. Yeah, I remember that. So, and, and he just and he pulled it out. And he was like, "Oh yeah, I remember that game." Just you know, um, like I said, he's one. One thing I, I have found out about Jim Harbaugh is that he is very genuine. He is goofy, but he's genuine. He does some stuff. I, I'm not really sure why. Um, you know, he doesn't provide a depth chart. He doesn't, you know, for for the entire month of basically the entire month of August when they got started with their with camp, they had they didn't have a roster even on on the website. They had a roster from last year, so it, it, it's just stuff that's kind of unnecessary at times, at least from my my point of view, um, that he does. But he always has a calculated reason why he's doing something, and and I do believe he is genuine in his belief that what he's doing is best for his team. Um, and, and I've found through my travels and you know, talking to different recruits, their families, those people actually, they, they truly love him uh, because, because of that. They think he is very genuine. He's, he's not, you know, he's not phony. And I know from the outside looking in, sometimes it would be easy to think, what's up with this guy? You know, but I, I, I would say he is very genuine. All right. Well, unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it up as I uh, fight this ridiculous disease going through my body right now. <laughs> well, you know what? You know what? Now I don't feel nearly as bad since I dissed you on uh, Twitter. I, I forgot to mention you a couple weeks back. Yeah, that's you know, why I'm Twitter not. And I, and, and, 
I didn't basically, feel, you know what? <laughs> I didn't I didn't feel welcome, so I just decided I wasn't coming. It's like yeah. <laughs> uh, no, the, well, Jake, I hope you feel better, man. You and me both, man. This has not been fun, but like I said, it's starting yeah. to work through, and I have uh, I've got a bourbon on the rocks right now that I, I'm told I'm from. You know, being from Kentucky, bourbon kills yes. everything. Absolutely. So I'm I'm going with the uh, bourbon medication method uh, this evening. It can't hurt, really. Come on. No. I mean, it's it can only help. It's bourbon. Yes. So exactly. All right, well, enjoy a good game up there this week. Go, go. Thanks for checking in. Always great to hear from you, and uh, stay warm this winter in Ann Arbor. Uh, we will try. We will try. Thanks, Dad. All right, Dave, man. Good talking to you guys. guys. All right. Kevin Goheen, Cincy Gogo on Twitter. He writes for Land of Ten, covering the Michigan Wolverines, and uh, has been a friend of mine and a friend of the site and uh, did some help. Like I said, helped us out a little bit last summer uh, at the beginning of training camp before getting his full-time gig. Uh, up in Michigan for Land of Ten, which uh, is kind of a startup deal. Um, that's you know, they've got some spots around the country covering uh, some of the bigger programs, and uh, GoGo always does a great job. And uh, glad to hear from him. Glad to hear he's doing well and enjoying his gig up in Ann Arbor. And Dave, I, I think he pretty much hit on everything that you know I wanted to hear about the Michigan Wolverines. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think. <clears throat> I think they, from my standpoint, you know, I think they showed out quite a bit better than I was probably expecting, uh, given the opponent, given the location, given the number of returning starters or slash impact players. Um, I, you know, I don't know how much it's going to affect this week's game. It's tough for me to just shake how dreadful Florida's offense was. Uh, I'm sure. Michigan had a lot to do with that, but I mean it's it's hard in college football anymore to be as bad as they were. I think they had less than two hundred and fifty yards of total offense, which even for how bad u c was last year offensively, I'm not sure they had many if any games where oh, they I, had I, I bet, I bet fewer there than were a few. Oh, I'm sure there were, but I bet there we're were talking about one of the worst offenses, you know, UC's had in a long, long time, and not a Florida offense should be stock, stockpiled with talent. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's a tall task any way you look at it. So UC's going to have to do a lot of the same things they did Thursday night, but against a totally different opponent. Yeah, let's let's hit on Thursday night for a little bit. I mean, I know it's it's well in the rearview mirror now, but I think you know a lot of the the things that we thought about this team were kind of confirmed. We we like the defensive line. We like the speed that they're getting from the linebacker position. I, I think they're pretty solid um, at the, the the secondary spots. All four secondary spots. I, I just the offensive line I thought was. Average, I would say. Um, I, you know, I thought they they held up pretty well in pass protection for what they were asked to do. I thought the running game there just wasn't a lot when they tried to run to the inside, which we kind of expected. But I thought the tackles. I thought Calhoun and and Cunningham both did a nice job when runs went to the outside. I thought there was some stuff there. Uh, but Dave, 
that that concern that I've had creeping up and I've talked about from the start of training camp, they didn't throw one ball deep. They didn't try to stretch the field even one time. No, and, that, and uh, it concerns me, brother. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, if they saw an advantage to just throw the hitches all game long, why would you stop throwing hitches? But but the, I I tend to agree with that, Dave. But to not even just once, you've got some separation, and you and you. I mean, let's not pretend like there's not in those routes. There's not a guy running deep at times. Oh, there probably is. I mean, the stuff that I watched was everything was within all the routes are within fifteen yards everything. of the line. Fifteen yards. So and I mean, that's yeah, what we saw in I camp. totally totally agree that. I mean, my philosophy is I. You know, we're chucking it deep all the time just to see, you know, what we've got going on. But I, I don't know. I mean, I think it, I was a little surprised initially with just the number of throws right out of the gate. Yeah, because they only ran um, yeah, like think, one of the first, what, seven plays were runs? The other yeah, were so that was a little surprising. And, 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 you know, Hayden was a little off at the beginning. I thought he, he got a lot better. Uh, later in the first half and in the second half, making the throws, they hadn't thrown a lot of just overall long passes from one hash to the opposite sideline, stuff like that. And he was he was pretty accurate for the most part. Um, the running game, I agree, there wasn't a whole lot inside. I, I I did like you know Boone being able to get you know to the outside. I thought sometimes when they ran you know, directly more horizontally to the line of scrimmage didn't work as much. But he had two runs over 25 yards, which I think was half of the total that he had all of last year. Yeah. Or that maybe even the team had all of last year. I know I said something in one of our previous podcasts about some paltry number of of long runs from last year. Um, I just think that for the most part, they they were just like a tick off on a lot of stuff. Like in rewatching, I rewatched pretty much the whole game last night just because I usually drink a lot of beers and aren't paying a great deal of attention to the intricacies of the game while I'm there. Uh, like the drive that Gantz missed the field goal on, the play before it, Khalil Lewis just straight up dropped and he never an easy, easy touchdown which you never do. I mean so it's just kind of you know just weird stuff like that like I you know if you look if you just look at the yardage numbers defensively they they gave up yards rushing but rewatching the game it was either QB stuff or you know that was basically it because I was pretty surprised with the number of stops they had either, you know, behind the line, at the line, or maybe one or two yards downfield. They they held them to, I think it was four of 16 on third down, or on uh, third down. They, you know, their touchdown, one of their touchdown drives, the one in the first half, there were two 15-yard penalties, and then they just lost the running back out of the backfield, just yeah. a, you know, total bust. But one of those 15-yard penalties was on third and nine. Um, so it was just like kind of some of those weird first game things where 
UC's yardage total offensively wasn't that great, but really for three quarters of the game, they were only going half the field or less. Uh, I know several possessions started inside of Austin Peay's 40-yard line. Uh, One thing that jumped out at me that I definitely liked seeing was Devin Gray's punt returns. He had two punt returns over 17 yards. He was catch the ball, make a cut, and then just go upfield and get whatever you can get. Yeah, I thought he looked good. And and that was nice considering the total lack of a return we'd seen recently. And then also I just like the fact that it was get the ball, make one cut, make the first guy miss, and just go. And not sometimes, you know, trying to outrun guys to the sideline. I mean, Austin Pete didn't exactly do a great job of directional kicking. It felt like every punt was low and right down the middle of the field. So I'm sure that, you know, played a big part into that. But when you're comparing it to what we've seen over the last several years, I mean, I thought it was a great starting point. Obviously, Gantz had his issues kicking, but I'm, I can't get too wor- worried about that right now. No, if he if he had really struggled in camp, I would be concerned, but he, he hasn't. So the only thing I was really concerned with come, him coming out of camp as he was a little short at times when they were, you know, hitting those 52, 53, 55-yarders. Um, but other than that, I mean, his accuracy was fine. It wasn't something uh, that I walked away thinking, you know, we're going to have to watch this going into the season. So hopefully it's just a little bump in the road. Um, I, I did like James Smith. Yeah, he. I mean, he got, he got the punts off clean, got, you know, got – the one to turn over, I think it was a poor uh, play by the return man. He, yeah. I think in rewatching that, he could have fielded that. Um, kind of jumped out of the way, and it, it ended up going down inside the 10. But, yeah, for for a first go, uh, he punted several times. There was, the, you know, the the execution was there. The, the punts were there. They were covered well. So, yeah, I mean, I think moving forward, I would hope that that could – you know, he could just continue to improve. Absolutely. And uh, freshman-wise, didn't see a bunch of them. I thought we might see more Mike Warren. I thought we might see a little bit more Jarrell White, but understandable in game one, kind of easing those guys into things. Uh, And then uh, Marquise Taylor got some run uh, in the nickel. And then the rest of the guy, the other guys were on special teams with Kobe Bryant uh, and Derek Forrest, the two that I saw. Uh, that were out on special teams. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I saw as well uh, as far as the freshmen. And I, and I can understand that in the first game of the year. I mean, there's there's at this point, unless they're fantastic, there's really no point in, in putting them out there in, in a game like that. No, but I think we'll probably see more worked in as time goes on. Um, but, you know, a good starting point, and it lets you know that there's a handful of those guys that they have some trust in uh, from the get-go. So, um, you know, it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't ideal, and like I mentioned, um, you know, th- it, I think the more I look back at it and the more that I re- go back to my thoughts on, on the talent that was on the team last year, 
I think they're replacing, and I said this in the thread last night, I think they're replacing more than we had talked about, more than we had acknowledged in terms of having to replace, you know, three guys that made NFL rosters and Zach Edwards and T.K. Kennard and Alex Pace and um, uh, Nate Cole and, you know, having Alex Thomas gone now. This is a vastly different roster, a vastly different team on the field. Um, there were a lot of seniors on that team last year and a lot of guys that could really play. And unfortunately, I won't get into why it didn't work, but it didn't work. And I wonder if there's a, a point where, you, you know, they're looking around and thinking, man, I didn't, with as bad as they were, I didn't have to expect to replace this much you know, this many parts. No, um, I think defensively they're they're okay. They're fast, even with those replacements. I I think they're much faster, yeah, no more doubt. athletic unit. I mean, you just see that. I mean, when the it's a li- I think it's a little skewed just because of the way Austin P just ran their offense. It was so run heavy, even on long downs. I mean. They really didn't, outside of maybe one or two throws, really, you know, drop back in the traditional sense and throw the ball. Right. Um, it was either jet sweeps. Uh, they got they caught the one running back out of the backfield, and then I remember a third down where there was like I felt like it was the only time where they actually ran a route to the sticks and completed a pass as on I think it was third and nine or something and they got 10 yards or whatever but so it's it's tough to tell when you like when you're playing in an offense that is so run dominant like that but if you just look at the the numbers I mean the the, the tackles from young minor um Drawing the blank, Malik Clemens just in the first game were, I mean, so high that when when you watch the game, they really did run. I feel like sideline to sideline a lot, a lot better than than last year. There weren't. I thought Wilson did gaping. that last year. Yeah, he did, but I think just overall, yeah. um I think Malik Clemens is a faster safety than Zach was. I think, you know, now exactly you have Exactly, with a leg injury all last year. Right. So, I mean, that's part of it. So, right. I mean, you have, now that you're linebackers, you have two basically strong safeties playing linebacker now. So, you know, I think hopefully the defense can continue to improve. I don't know how much, you know, we're going to really find out about them this week. Maybe we find out a lot one way or the other. Um, I, I just think in the in the the two weeks after that, you know, Miami and Navy, I think is where we can really see what the defense can do, and then hopefully just you know, we you and I have talked about me personally. I think this team, if things go, you know, hopefully the way we would like, I think the team in general is just a different team in late October mid-October than, than they are now. Totally different team. I'm, you know, the offense comes along. Guys get more familiar with their roles. The play calling, you know, maybe it expands. They take more sh- – I, I don't know. 
But I, you know, for the first game, I know the score probably isn't what people wanted. But if they blew Austin P out, and Austin P had a hundred yards of offense and got sacked five times and committed four turnovers, we really wouldn't know much more about UC than we do now. Right. Because we would just, because everyone would just say, "Oh, Austin P is terrible." Yeah. So you know, from from a UC standpoint. We we wouldn't really know much more than we do now. I agree. Got anything else? No, I don't think so. I think uh, regardless of the outcome on Saturday, I think it's a the type of game that in the, in the current uh, makeup that UC finds itself needs to be played. Uh, I think it does, re- regardless of the outcome. Assuming there aren't a huge rash of injuries, I think the game does far more good for the overall program than bad. Um, You're not often going to find yourself playing at a program like Michigan on ABC where Michigan's ranked in the top ten and you have a new coach you're trying to build. So my take is why not? I mean, challenge yourself, go up there, play those type of games. Um we all know the odds will be stacked against them, whether it's Michigan at Ohio State, you know, at whoever. But I think those are the games you need to play. Uh, I didn't feel that way as much when they were in the Big East, but let's be honest, they're not going to get those type of teams to come play them home and home, regardless of how the last few years have gone. People still don't want to come play at Nipper. Right. And they're sure not going to do it if more conferences move to nine conference games out of the 12. True. Um, they're going to play their warm-up team. They're going to play their rival if they're like a Florida, Florida State that are not in the same conference but always play. And they're going to play some other whoever. So, you know, go up there, test yourself, find out what you have. I think they'll find out way more about themselves playing Michigan than if they were playing a Mac school at home or, you know, a Sunbelt school or even a low-rung Power 5 team. So I'm, I'm all for stuff like this. It's just a football fan and a fan of UC. Agreed. It's going to be interesting to see how they respond. The one thing I did like is when things got a little tough, when things got a little uh, testy in the fourth quarter, they had an answer. And they didn't fold like we've seen them do in the past. Uh, so if I take anything positive from last week, it's that. We'll see how much it matters, you know, this week um, once the game gets going. But uh, I saw enough positive. Uh, you know, there were things to be concerned about, and I, there were things that I was concerned about going into the game that I left concerned about them still, you know, not good. You know, I, I don't feel warm and fuzzy about that side of it, but, um, you know, hopefully they can continue to find their identity and continue to grow and develop, especially on the offensive end. Yeah, but, and I think, too, no matter what, we still have to kind of take a step back and, you know, they were bad last year. A lot of those guys left but a lot of them returned and we have a new staff and we're breaking in 
a new everything. And it might not look good at first, but hopefully that's why you have 11 more games. And, you know, the, the, the players have seemed to have, you know, we know they have. They've bought into this new system. And, you know, you, we don't know what will spur the next jump. So, you know, we've talked. We've, we've kind of given our predictions and everything. So, I mean, there's nothing I don't think that's happened that, you know, deviates anything from, from what we've talked about. No, I agree. All right, well, thanks to uh, Kevin Goheen for coming on. I appreciate his insight on the Michigan Wolverines. Thanks, as always, to my partner, Dave. And uh, I'm Chad Brendel. I'm about to cough my head off, so we're just going to go ahead and get out of here. It's the BCJ Podcast on BearcatJournal.com.